Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer is launching a new podcast from the guys who brought you a Cespedes family barbecue called Baseball Barbecue. Hosted by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman, they're bringing you the good, the bad, and the utterly bizarre corners of the baseball world and everything that makes it special. Throughout the offseason, they'll dive into the rabbit hole on some of their favorite fascinations from the home run derby to baseball brawls and much more. Once the season returns, they'll break down the latest MLB news and developments. You can subscribe to Baseball Barbecue on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Tea Time. This is a weekly pop culture podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Alwell. And today, it's going to be a great episode, guys. Trust us on that. We are discussing Robert Pattinson's GQ profile. We've got a surprising amount of wildlife content. We took a couple weeks off, but we're back. And then, of course, we know you all want it, need it. Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> Even if you don't want it and need it, you got it. Um, yep. Every time we hear the bell, we have to change topics. Although, full disclosure, we're going to go deep on Twilight. <laughs> but for now, let's spill the tea, shall we? All right. First category, Tea Time checks in with Robert Pattinson uh, was profiled in GQ recently this week. It just came out. Um, Jam Session did talk about this and did a deep dive on the profile. Amanda Dobbins' husband, Zach Barron, actually wrote the profile. So she's got a really good inside scoop. Go there. We're just kind of tying all the loose ends up, kind of putting together the pieces that were left unanswered in this profile. Kate, first of all, we've been talking a lot about Robert Pattinson the last month. This Twilight is in. Twilight is, is back in the zeitgeist. <laughs> Robert Pattinson talked about Twilight in this profile. Um, yes. He talked about how they're like art house movies, but I was like, okay, Robert Pattinson, you're terrible, <laughs> in them, but all right. But we just have a lot of questions about this profile. Jam Session had a lot of good insight. We're going to not give you insight. We're just going to ask questions. <laughs> Correct. Because it was literally insane. It was so yes. entertaining and so hilarious. My first question is, is Robert Pattinson our next great celebrity photographer? He took all his own pictures for this profile. And the pictures are great, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about are the outfits that he's wearing and the staging of the pictures. So first of all, he's wearing, I think, a lot of like what he's supposed to be wearing, like a lot of Dior and stuff like that. Yes. But he is wearing them in these very interesting ways. He like tied socks around his legs. He's got like a scarf around his head. He's, yes, I'm looking at that exact photo. Yes. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you go into your parents' closet and you come out for like a show yes. and you just like show them what you put on. It's like that. Because he's yes. got these like bandanas behind, uh, below both of his kneecaps, above his elbows, over his head, on his neck. And then he's wearing like Tiva's dad right. slip-on flip-flops. And the great thing about that is you know how there are those captions that tell you what all the like fashion yes. items are? It's like socks on legs and then it's like from Dior <laughs> and then it's like scarf on head from wherever and it's like I have to specify which ones are talking about I think this solidified the fact that like I don't and I, I don't know anything and I don't I cannot appreciate art because people saw these photos and geeked out I saw these photos was like what the fuck like these are I, so weird right and I, they look, obviously they look good and they're like well composed <laughs> and he did a great yes. job he's like next to like a can of baked beans he like took a picture yes. of his medicine cabinet and like they're really good but I did have a lot more questions about what was in the photos and necessarily yes. the composition Yes. My next question is, do you think it's harder to be Robert Pattinson's assistant or his publicist? <laughs> and I ask that because he mentions both in this article. And also me and you have talked about a lot, the both 
we're both assistants or Mm -hmm. I was in a previous life. So we kind of know this area a little bit. So here's what he said about the assistant. First he goes, I was just thinking, I called up my assistant 20 minutes ago. I said, what the fuck do I say? I have no idea. He like needs answers to a question Zach's about to ask. And Zach goes, well, what did she, the assistant say? And she goes, she's a lot cleverer than I am. Like she went to college and stuff. And I'm just like saying all this stuff. And I was like, oh God, no, I can't even bullshit my way through this. So imagine being the assistant to a celebrity and 20 minutes before the celebrity panic calls you and is like, I don't know how to answer any question at all. And you just have to think of something that's going to go in GQ. Okay. So I also was horrified by that. But the more I've thought about it, the more... First of all, Robert Pattinson loves to make shit up in interviews. So, like, it doesn't matter what you say because he's going to say whatever the fuck he wants. So, the, in I that way, it doesn't matter. Second of all, you know, assistants to celebrities have to, like, do things like order lunches and, like, deal with these, like, really picky celebrities. Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. is out here eating tuna out of cans with sriracha. He's, like, living in squalor, doing whatever the fuck he wants. This assistant probably has the easiest gig. That is actually true. You are right. Um, okay, so versus the publicist, this is what right. he said about the publicist. My um, my publicist always calls me up after an interview, and she's like, is there anything like, is there any fires you set now? What do I have to fix for you now? And I'm like, I don't even remember anything I said. So then put your sh- shoes in the assistant or whatever. <laughs> put yourself in the uh, publicist's shoes. And think about you representing an actor like Robert Pattinson, who's like chaotic and known to just be like an insane person. And he can't even remember the chaotic things that he said. That would be worse. That's the dub you don't want is the publicist. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. How much money or therapy, Kate, this is for you, would you require to be either one of those two jobs? A lot of both. (laughs) I think I would require a lot more to be his publicist, especially with Batman coming up. Um, Yeah. And based on everything he said in this interview, which was great. He's not like problematic. He's just so chaotic. You just never know it's coming. Yeah. Like he just makes shit up. This brings me to my next question. You guys, he talks a lot about food. Go to jam session. He like is going to try to be a cook or create some pasta company thing. It doesn't work out in the profile. Maybe it'll work out eventually. But he's trying to describe this pasta and he can't remember the name of it. So here was his description of this pasta. It's like a blob, a squiggly blob, not gnocchi. It looks like, what would you call it? It's sort of like a messy, like the hair bun on a girl. I just yeah. need a lot of silence there yeah. because this. <laughs> so this is like a continually unanswered question. Nobody can figure out what pasta he meant by this. Zach asked the question and Correct. he's like, yeah, I don't know what he meant. So do you have a theory? Right. I was thinking it's perhaps tortellini, but then that doesn't, it's not squiggly enough. It's only kind of squiggly. There's right. this also pasta I did a deep dive called radiatory that kind of looks like a messy bun. I don't know. I I have no answer. So I think he means the finished product looks like a bun. This is my take. Is like it's Mm. like an angel hair pasta, and then when he arranges it into a pillow and cooks it, because I think you would need a long pasta, like a spaghetti pasta, Mm. to like actually weave into each other to form the pillow that he's forming. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have to, I think he means the finished product looks like a bun. He does not word it that way. This is a total guess, but that's, that's my guess. That does actually make more sense. Okay. Because that's actually, why I'm it wouldn't work with Penne. Because Penne, like what does Penne have to stick on to? Correct. Correct. You know? Okay. You had one last question about this profile. So in the profile, it's kind of a throwaway line. It says that Robert Pattinson lives with this girlfriend. They don't name the girlfriend, but all forever. Jam Session said this, and I think most people agree that it's Suki Waterhouse. Mm-hmm. And I was looking into Suki Waterhouse's dating history because she has dated. 
so many famous men. Really? Um, she must be very charming or something. She's, I don't know, pretty model, whatever. Here's just like a very brief list. This is not all of them. These are the ones that she's been like publicly confirmed to be dating. Okay. Bradley Cooper, 2013 to 2015. James Marsden, 2015. Nat Wolf, 2015. Richard Madden, 2016. Whoa. Diego Luna, 2016, oh. 2017. Darren Aronofsky, oof. <laughs> oh. 2018. They all do it. <laughs> And then Robert Pattinson since late 2018. Good for her. I That's know. amazing. I know. Honestly, I'm a little... Con- Are you more disturbed by this or impressed by this? I'm a little worried I'm about impressed. some of these choices. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like the veering to like Darren Aronofsky and then Robert Pattinson. I'm like, hmm. You know? This is true. This is true. But yeah, I got to give it to her. That's that's quite impressive. Go it is. I'm curious whether she was like in the other room while Robert Pattinson was blowing up his microwave. In Probably. Yeah, you guys, it, go to Jam Session first to listen to their recap of it. Mm-hmm. And then look and read this you gotta read it. profile. It's, Unbelievable. It such joy. It really did. <laughs> it did. I'm so happy we have so much Robert Pattinson content. Uh, this who episode. knew? Okay, next category, I'm bringing in Amelia. All right, next category. This week in social media slash not worth the tea. We are regrouping this once again because (laughs) Amelia and I are just annoyed at the world. Everything we see online counts as not worth the tea. So first thing is bearded dragons as pets are having like a really big moment right now for some unknown reason in the celebrity world. So it came up this week because Chrissy Teigen gifted her son Miles a bearded dragon for his second birthday. Um, There's no name yet. I guess it's being named this weekend. And then it came out that Nicole Richie also has a bearded dragon and she, his name is Speedy and she brought him out during her appearance at Late Night with Seth Meyers. And everybody's talking about bearded dragons. I have never known another human being to have this. Amelia, have you been seeing this online? Yes. And like, why can't she just get a beanie baby? I'm sure there's a beanie baby named Speedy that's like a dragon. Like, you can't just do that. I don't get it. Especially Miles is too. So here's some facts about the bearded dragon. This animal is so chaotic as a pet. I commend, honestly, anyone who has it for a long time because any animal that needs another live animal to eat while living, you can't have in a house. Or I don't want that in a house. Right. So they eat live bugs like crickets and worms and all this other stuff. They live for a long time. They live up to 12 years, which is basically the lifespan of like a big dog. Exactly. Just That's an a, investment. It, yes, it is. And those live bugs, I don't think those are cheap. Also, it's just weird. I think you can buy like mass amounts of crickets, but then they like are all over your house. You have to I was keep gonna them say, in some yeah. secure. It's so chaotic. I cannot imagine taking this upon myself ever. Never. And also, you're. I'm sorry, but you're going to get tired of that bearded dragon. I know. I know. Apparently, they're like very nice, friendly, social, okay. docile, just like to be pets. So I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo on the bearded dragon owners sure. of the world. I'm just saying I can't do it, and I respect the. I don't know that Chrissy Teigen can do it either, but who knows? Right. I just. My only thing is, I worry about people who see celebrities getting them. They're like, oh, that sounds like a cool, fun trend that will look great on Instagram, and then they get it, and then they end up not liking it, and then next thing you know, the world is overpopulated by bearded <laughs> dragons running wild in the streets. Also, I'm just very scared of reptiles and pace. Basically, like every kind of animal. So the bearded dragon is not for me. Okay, next one. Okay, this will be super, super quick. But you know who? Caroline Calloway. We all thought she was gone. But she was like, guess what? I'm going to work harder than ever to not leave you, even when you want me to leave. Apparently, you know what? She's going to be on OnlyFans as well. 
everyone is pivoting to OnlyFans. I cannot believe we're talking about OnlyFans for like the fourth episode <laughs> in a row. This I is know. bigger than I ever thought. This is like when I had a For Realsies episode with Zoe Simmons like a year ago. And she's like, you should be on TikTok. TikTok is super fun. I was like, oh, please. I'm so old. It's not for me. <laughs> and now I spend eight hours a day on it. Exactly. Like OnlyFans is huge. I had no idea. It's huge. And I think especially now, no one has any like effort to do anything except for watch videos. So now they're just, you know, watching some random crap on OnlyFans. But apparently yeah. she tweeted out, you know, she recently tweeted out her nudes. Uh, yes. And then she tweeted out a kind of a list of just like Elizabeth Bennett, Lolita, Ophelia, Miss Honey, Orlando. So like these literary yeah. characters, which I guess she's like cosplaying as, but a few Twitter users were like, okay, some of these uh, women are actually girls. They're underage. So this is weird that you're doing that. Yeah. Plus she was, she tweeted out like how much money she's projected to make based on how many yeah. OnlyFans like are subscribed to her right now or whatever it is. And then luckily, you know what? This was the only good thing is that a lot of people in the comments who are actually do this for a living and are not Caroline Calloway just doing it because she's like, board we're tweeting right. out their accounts I was getting some traction so as long as people are going to the right accounts that's fine um, and the people that actually you should be subscribing to not Caroline Calloway exactly exactly um, also just as upsetting Mary Kate Olsen <laughs> is getting a divorce and I'm really sad um it's she's sad. divorcing the French banker Olivier Sarkozy uh they started dating back in 2012 they got married in 2015. This was the wedding where they had the bowls of cigarettes that everyone kept talking about because they're like the very iconic. European and angsty and love cigarettes. <laughs> it's amazing. But unfortunately, they're getting divorced now. And I feel sad. Um, Me too. And, and what a hard time to get divorced during, you know? Well, that's the whole problem, Amelia, is that so she apparently filed for this back in April, but then now New York courts are not accepting divorce filings like other than emergencies due to COVID-19. So now she's requesting this emergency order to allow her to finalize her divorce. Any, anyway, it's getting kind of messy. She's living with her twin sister, Ashley. And I guess like Olivier is kicking her out of their apartment that they share. They're terminating their lease. It's all That's, it's all horrible. And especially sad. around now, I just can't imagine dealing with that. That's hard. I mean, obviously, I wish her luck and she's great. But maybe, you know, maybe her and her sister could be on TikTok or like, I don't know, do some fun stuff for the rest of us. They're not nearly as fun. I don't I don't think they'd ever <laughs> join TikTok. <laughs> Can um, you imagine? Also, She's worth $250 million, so I feel like she can just hang out for a bit. She can just <laughs> she can just chill. Okay, next one. Also True. bad news. Also bad news. I mean, not super related to the Olsen twins, but she did once from her ex-girlfriend, Cara Delevingne. Yeah. De Delevingne. Uh, sorry, I'm really bad at pronouncing names. Um, Ashley Benson, she was spotted out and about with g Easy. This is so upsetting. <laughs> it's rude. It's honestly rude to all this of us. Is we have talked about this way before, like a mm -hmm. month ago when we were just kind of in the throes of this pandemic. It's like, this is not the time to start experimenting, dating, and right. like in person to person. Not the time to introduce someone like g Easy into your life. Never is actually a time to introduce g Easy into your life. But yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And apparently I was reading on like some gossip website. They're saying that they might, I mean, and it, Seems like they're like quarantining together and they maybe have been quarantining together for a while now. The thing is, they could be friends and he's just housing her while sure. she's going through this breakup. But we just don't know. And I really hope it's not what we think that it is. <laughs> Me too. Uh, we're ending on a good note, though. This is this is good. <laughs> this is happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Mother's Day happened. 
happy Mother's Day to all the awesome mothers out there, including our own mothers. But, you know, sometimes you're a dude and you got a lot of baby mamas. And this is what happened with Future. And instead of, you know, maybe writing a personal note, a little Mother's Day card, he decided to take to Twitter and tweet out some happy Mother's Day tweets, which I will read for you if that is all right. Please. Okay. First up, happy Mother's Day, India. Such a great mother and always putting the kids first. You keep me sane and I'm forever grateful for you. Thank you. That, that's nice. That's a nice, nice one. Yeah. That's the nicest one he wrote. That is the nicest one. I mean, they progressively get worse. Yes. Um, thanks for holding my prince in all caps down, Brit. Your love for your kids is amazing. And I thank you for staying on top of the business. Happy Mother's Day. Okay. Also nice. Complimenting business acumen? Great. I, exactly. We yeah. stand a man who understands that women can be, can contain multitudes. Okay. <laughs> this one's for Sierra. Happy Mother's Day, C. Baby future is life. Appreciate you. This one's the shortest one. Really? Be sincere. I think they had a pretty messy breakup. Yes. She's also like remarried other children, like kind of new family completely kind of left him in the dust. So this makes sense. Right. To a guy who arguably is, is a better, more stand up, better guy. Agreed. Um, okay. Next one. My son Cash Mother. Real one. Cut from a different cloth. Exclamation point. Happy Mother's Day, baby K. Okay. That's, that's, that's nice. That's pretty cute. Yeah. Nickname. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, Joey, thank you for being an incredible mom. You holding it down, exclamation point. Real one, stay solid. Happy Mother's Day, in all caps. Also Stay nice. solid. Like that, I think that if I read that and I read all the other mom's <laughs> tweets, I'd have been like, okay. Yeah, that's not like that personal, a little not that sweet. <laughs> exactly. You, that's your words to me? Okay. Yeah. And the next one, Paris, heart emoji. Your mom deserve it. Happy Mother's Day, mommy. Smiley with a sweat droplet. Yikes. So people on Twitter were like, does Future not remember this woman's real name because he just <laughs> said the child's name and said, your mom, like, great job. Right. Obviously, I'm sure he does, but it got progressively worse and worse. I would like to be India in this situation. The first tweet, I'm forever grateful for you. All is nice stuff and would hate to be Sierra. Right. And then he had a King Pluto tweet. And then a next tweet that was like, you want the best for me and I want the best for you. Crown emoji, surfer emoji. I don't know if like he got together with a surfer or something. Yeah, I, here's the deal confusing. also is I was looking at how many children he has and how many different baby mamas and the yeah. internet was telling me different things and I feel like this should be a known number. He has like, yes. he, so one article says he has eight children with six different women. Okay. But then, but then others said like seven with six women, whatever. And there was some debate because I guess, according to the son, he thought one child was definitely not his. And then the mom was like, no, it's yours. Made him take a paternity test. And he was the right. father. So there's <laughs> been some mystery around the children. But yeah, at least he credited all of them. That was sweet to do like that was, a million different yeah. tweets. <laughs> sure. It was nice. I guess. Happy Mother's Day to all Happy the future's baby mamas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, okay, Jesus. I want to go to the next category. I cannot wait for it. I was I'm, excited last week. I'm freaking fired up. I'm so excited. We're continuing Amelia's You Ought to Know, but this time it's like Liz Kelly catered. I can't wait. Yes, go ahead, always. Amelia. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the Miley Cyrus-Justin Gaston relationship. 
Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Oh my God. Okay. So this is back in 2008, 2009, when we had a 15 year old Miley Cyrus dating a 20 year old model named Justin Gaston. Do you remember this? Uh, yes, I do. I'm the exact same age as Miley Cyrus. So mm. when she was 15, 16, obviously I was 15, 16. I think I had like my first kiss that yeah, I was like a late bloomer. And I remember looking at these paparazzi photos and like looking through my mom's people magazines at the time. She was the epitome of cool. This relationship was the epitome of cool. I'm looking at paparazzi photos now. I don't know if you remember their iconic jogging photos where she was in a bathing suit top and a low cut V-neck and then denim shorts and sneakers. And they went for like a neighborhood jog through Toluca Lake. And big sunglasses. It changed my life. Wasn't the bikini top green? Was it green? Yes, it was. Yes, I, it was. It's like, I vividly remember these photos and being like, what? This is when Miley Cyrus was like my true idol. She's in, I'm looking at these low rise denim blue jeans. She's got her long brown hair, yes. her Hannah Montana extensions. Yes. It was the height of her power. It was the, it was truly the height of her power. And yeah. And Justin Gaston, I'm sure everyone is thinking, who is this man? Well, let me tell you. He is a model slash actor from Louisiana who actually met her father, Billy Ray Cyrus, while being on the sixth season of the TV show that I've never heard of called Nashville Star, which is like American Idol, but for country music singers. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And according to an article from the New York Daily News in 2008, uh, someone was quoted as saying, Justin is the guy Miley's parents see her settling down with with a few years down the line. He's handsome, talented, clean living, goes to church and knows his Bible. A real catch. I love how they had to add the little Christianity aspect to it. Yeah, especially where she was going to go in the late, in the next like five, <laughs> 10 years of her life. Like that's probably what they were hoping, but it did not go to plan. Right. Exactly. It's, uh, it's wild. So, also, I looked at the timeline a little bit, and you might remember him. He was from the 2008 music video for Taylor Swift's Love Story, where he plays Romeo. Right, right. Which was, it was, I mean, he's an attractive guy. Like, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. I just, you know, a little weirded out by the age difference. It, it's technically a felony, but. Yes. Also, at the time, I was like, this is the height of cool. Yeah, Me being 15, dating some 20-year-old, like, brunette, kind of hunk, jogging through Toluca Lake. Now, of course, I'm like, Jesus, that was really problematic. Billy Ray should have stepped in and cut it off. Uh, For real. It would not not have flown in today's society. And it shouldn't have. 100%. And what's weird is that, so back in November of 2008, he denied being her boyfriend at the Country Music Awards. And Mm. he was like, she's just a family friend. You know, I met Billy on the show and just became, you know, great friends with the family. They're such a great family, which sure, I'm, Sure they are. Yeah. But in a People magazine article, Miley Cyrus was quoted as saying, and they called him uh, her boyfriend. And she was quoted as saying, I'm flying solo mm. tonight at the awards. Uh, Justin is making an appearance in Taylor Swift's song, but that's okay because it means my two best friends are on the stage at the same time, which, wow. wow. That sentence, wow. that quote That is insane. It's insane. Just knowing the history. Because like Miley and Taylor, they're not friends. They're not friends. And also what was to come. So Miley Cyrus, the last song came out in 2010. I hate that I know that. No, no, no. Yes. So then she was going to get cast in that. Met Liam Hemsworth was like, bye, Justin. What? 
it truly by to bigger and better things. Exactly. Okay, so what's what's the significance of this relationship besides just to me personally? No, I mean it, it's I just I remember I was like 18, 19 at the time it happened, and I remember being like, what? This mm-hmm. disgusting disgusting relationship. This is not okay. Oh, good for you. I wish Thank I was smarter. <laughs> no, but like, time. I totally get it. I mean, if I was 15, I would have been like, oh my God, like exciting. But I yeah. I don't know. I just was, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And that's smart. It, that's why you're smarter than I am. Because <laughs> I looked no. at this relationship was like, this is my actual dream. Looking at all these dumb other ninth graders being like, you're, no one's Justin Gaston here, so I'm not interested. <laughs> oh, truly. Um, but it's but like you said, times have changed. I feel like people obviously would be more outraged now than they were then. It kind of reminds me of a larger thing that's going on in pop culture. Like people were looking at America's Next Top Model recently and saying, like, I can't believe Tyra got away with this. We briefly talked yeah. about it last time. You know, they did the blackface and all these things that just like yikes. Today yeah. would not fly. Yeah, which um, is why your category is so great because I cannot believe you. you are like, and I, we really should be reminded of this stuff because I, I can't believe we let any of this go. It's wild. And if you remember, so Miley was still on Hannah Montana at the time. The Annie Leibovitz photo in Vanity Fair where she's like kind of wow. backless. Yeah, that was April of 2008. So that was a little before this happened. So she's kind of experimenting. We're seeing like flashes of what is to come. Can't Be Tamed came out in 2010, like two years later. Oh my later, God, two, we just need to do it. If I had control, ultimate control of the content of Tea Time, I would just revisit Miley Cyrus eras because <laughs> that's crazy. That is could also be its own, like Amelia's You Ought to Know, is just that cover in general because it just spirals. We should do it. Let's- her entire life. Okay. So there's more to come it's on Amelia's wild. You Ought to Know. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, right. we're moving yes, on. But just, you know, good stuff. Great stuff. Uh, and then we're bringing back Kate for cringe mode. Okay. Next category. Kate, just FYI, I'm bringing back in for cringe mode. I am high off my ass because we just stopped talking about Miley Cyrus. So this will be an extra, extra enthused cringe mode. Twilight Breaking Dawn part two. It's a mouthful. It is. It's quite the finale. I know. We talked about part one on the last episode. So much happens in this book. It shouldn't be one book, but it is. Uh, Luckily, it was two movies. so We had an excuse to split it up. So just basic plot summary. For those of you who don't know, Honestly, you've made the right choice. The second half of this book starts out, Bella's a vampire. Jacob has imprinted on her daughter. Bella takes her daughter out, who's rapidly growing. It's like a mystery. They don't know if she's going to be alive. They don't know anything about her, obviously, because she's part human, part vampire. Takes her out. Another vampire sees her. They think it's a vampire baby, which is illegal. All the Volturi vampires from book two basically come to fight the Collins and like kill the baby. The werewolves team up with the vampires. They assemble a whole squad of other vampires to fight the Volturi. Bella has this new power where she can, like, shield people from things. It's This book is so complicated. Yes. Uh, it's the second half of the book. The second That's the half. biggest problem. It's This just turns into a superhero movie, both in the book and the movie. Um, yes. They basically have this big fight. It turns out to be fine. They don't actually fight because the Volturi realize that they're going to lose. Renesmee's fine. Uh, and that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. I'm really happy that you have always taken on that uh, part <laughs> because impossible. this especially is insane. I left out that, a lot, but we'll get to it. 
Yeah. This is my biggest problem with the book is that it absolutely should have been split off. The movie actually kind of did a good job. I thought about like handling all of this stuff. I cannot believe that in the beginning of the book, I can't even remember she gets married or I can't even. Yeah. It's a different lifetime. Yes. Than what the end of the book ends up. And then the other problem I had with the book is that Stephanie Myers basically in this beloved franchise that everyone and every teen was like holding on to so dearly introduces like 25 new names in the last 50 pages of the book. And I just, that's not exactly how at the time I wanted it to end rereading it. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like you said this in a Slack. You're like, why expand the world now? Right. When we've been living in this tiny circle this whole time. Right. Bella has like three high school friends and then it's her and the vampires and the werewolves for like three right. books. And then all of a sudden- And their sudden, names are like Mike. Right. And that's it. Pretty and, easy to keep track yeah. of. And to be fair, like it's not, we're not saying she shouldn't have started world building in the fourth book, but she should have started yeah. it earlier. You know? Yes. So like it's, it's suddenly starts like having a plot and having characters like beyond yes. these like seven people in the fourth right. book. And it's super jarring. And it honestly is way more entertaining. And it like actually is like a story. But like, could you have done that earlier in the series, please? Agreed. See, I thought it wasn't entertaining only because I wanted them to just like build on this little family mm. in the last bit. Yeah. I love books that kind of like jump right. to the future and whatever you get to see where all these people end up. But yeah, basically the Cullens hold a vampire convention in their home. <laughs> There's like all these new names from all around the world. It's pretty confusing. And then, yeah, it turns into an action movie slash book, which I thought was better in the movie than it was the book. Yes. So we'll discuss that in a moment. First, I think we just need to talk about Renesmee. Just the entire concept of this baby in the book, in the movie, which is really disturbing in both. But first, I want to ask you, okay, so Renesmee, just an all-time stupid character name. (laughs) Mm. And Bella came up with this name by combining the first half of Renee's name, which is her mom, and the second half of Esme's name. Well, I guess just she combined both names. But I want to ask you, what is your vampire baby name if you were to combine your grandma's, your maternal grandma's first name with the second half of your paternal grandma's last name? It's not as beautiful as Renesme, so I actually had a lot more respect for this name after that I did this little exercise. Uh, My vampire baby's name is Bev Beth because I got (laughs) Beverly on one side and Elizabeth on the other. Yeah, So Bev Beth, it sounds like Bevmo. (laughs) What's yours? Your grocery store. I have Judith on one side and I have Catherine on the other. So mine's Juderin. Oh, you know, that's actually not great. It's not great. You guys should better than Beth Beth. Yes, that's worse. You guys should tweet us your uh, your vampire baby names because I think it's a fun uh, exercise. Yes, Um, please. But Renesmee in general, just a lot of issues here, and the dynamic in the book and the movie between she and Jacob is horrible and a huge mistake. Yes. So my main problem, I got a lot of problems with Jacob through this whole franchise, but in this specific context, in the book, I'm mostly annoyed with how callous he is about this whole imprinting situation, which we talked about last week. Basically, Jacob locks eyes with a baby and is like, we're going to be lovers forever. We're meant to be together. Okay. That is how it goes. That is literally how it goes. So while that is creepy in and of itself, it's so much worse in the movie, which we'll talk about. But in the book, imagine you're Bella. You wake up a vampire. You got all these new senses. Everything's tingling all the time. And then your former best friend comes to you and is like, hey, like, who's going to tell her? And it's like awkward little back and forth. And then he's like, yeah, um, Nessie 
is uh, is mine now, basically. She freaks out. He's so casual about it. He needed to have an entire speech written out. He needed like maybe a couple letters explaining the entire situation. He was so mean. I would have actually ripped him to shreds if I was Bella. I agree with that. And he also just needed to back off. Like nobody yeah. cares about your dumb wolf rules. And like, especially right now when Bella's a new vampire and has a new ass baby, like just back right. off for a couple of years. I know he can't be away from her like True. physically or whatever bullshit, but come on. That's also true. Like knowing that they were going to be together, even though I have problems with that, is like, just don't be so protective and loving while it's a literal baby. Because it comes off so much worse when he's like, I don't know if Nessie would like that. Or don't Ugh. put Nessie around Bella. It's like, what the, f-? like, just back off. You'll have your time later. It's really bad. Um, let's it's transition. Disgusting. Let's use this to transition into the movie. Um, to talk about the Jacob Renesme dynamic in the movie because there's a scene at the end that like really truly horrified me. So they have, yes. you know, this whole thing where he's like protective of her, blah, blah, blah. It matches the book. At the end of the movie, Alice is like seeing their future and she sees like this image of Edward and Bella and Jacob and Renesmee on the beach. And they could have just had Renesmee like as a kid and it was like, you know, like the fa- regular dynamic that we've seen. But they yeah. choose to Photoshop the face of the child actress, Mackenzie Foy, who played Renesmee, onto a woman's body and have yep. her walking hand in hand with Taylor Lautner on the beach. And like, that's yes. the future that they've decided to leave us with. Yes. I hated that because then it immediately cut to back to when she's a kid and Taylor Lautner's like lovingly looking at her kind of all doted and you're like, stop! This guy is going to just wait for you. It's the it's, creepiest thing yes. I have ever read now looking back at it's it. It's a huge mistake and I feel like Stephanie Meyer has to know that it was a mistake and the people making yeah. this movie have to know but they just really leaned in and they should not have done that. Yes. Okay, let's talk about the CGI. Okay. Speaking of Renesmee, so I think people who haven't seen this movie know about the horrible anthropomorphic baby robot yes. that was initially used to play Renesmee. Uh, yeah. There were a lot of articles online about, they called it Chuck Esme because it's like Chucky and Renesmee. <laughs> um, there are all these pictures of poor Nikki Reed who just wanted to do yoga and make Dory <laughs> holding she this baby. She just wanted that paycheck. <sighs> uh, and I really can't describe it. Uh, I recommend looking up a picture of it. They basically made this puppet baby robot to be Renesmee because they wanted it to be this like you know, super naturally beautiful child. Instead of just yeah. getting a cute baby, babies are cute. And ultimately they had to CGI it out. So then they replaced it with this really creepy CGI baby whose face like moves on the body. Yes, that's the problem. Is it literally, and this was a pretty modern movie. There have been movies yeah. that have come before Twilight this, Breaking this Dawn came Part out, two. I'm sorry. That this is- came out the same year as Avengers, Hunger Games, The Life of Pi. We had better oh. CGI than this. Thank you with the thank you for those facts. Yeah, I that's actually incredibly important. Yeah, the baby's face moves independently. It's this little circle <laughs> cut out of like the skin tone of a face, it does. and it's moving in a different way than the baby's turning. Yeah, the head and the face do not match. It's so distracting. And they do it like until she becomes like eight, like looks like eight years old, which is when they switch to the actual child actress. So for yeah. like the bulk of this movie. This baby has a fake face and then just yeah. like long hair. Ugh. Yeah. The, speaking of hair, uh, Bella's extensions Awful. in this movie. Awful. Oh my God. It just doesn't fit Kristen Stewart anyway no. because that's not really, her vibe isn't really like Vixit or it no. is, but just in not the same way as what right. you're portraying her. It was, it was all a mess. Yeah. Also, speaking of Kristen Stewart, I swear you've told me that she's a good actress and I believe you, <laughs> but- this movie 
Um, Katie, what do you have to say for yourself? I uh, not much. You know, Chris and Stuart and Robert Pattinson have absolutely thriving careers. They're yes. critically agreed to be like legitimately good actors doing really interesting yes. things. Watching these movies, like I was waiting to be like, oh, they actually tried in these movies. They actually did something that we just like didn't see at the time. No, they're both two of the worst actors in the, all four of these movies. All five. No, in five all of these, these movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah, um, Ashley Green turns out to be the MVP. We'll talk about that later. But like, she was, I think, the only good actress in that entire franchise. And I think the problem is like, Bella and Kristen Stewart were so perfectly cast for the first movie. She's like this willowy, shy, brunette, like nobody look at me kind of character. And in this movie, she's supposed to be this like powerful, she growls, she's like hunting mountain lions. And it's just not, it's just out of the scope of Kristen Stewart's like acting realm at the time. Maybe she could do it now. But there's this point where she gets really mad at Jacob and she's trying to be very like this deep throaty voice and kind of growl. And it just is so unnatural and it comes off so cheesy. It just totally doesn't work. It's really bad. Um, There were some actor cameos that we wanted to talk about. Like we said, they introduced this whole random host of vampires. Um, And then we had some reactions like, why the hell are you in this movie? For myself, I was very surprised to see Lee Pace, um, who plays like this kind of, he had kind of a weirdly big role, actually. And I love Lee Pace. Um, He plays like this revolutionary guy. Way too much eyeliner, but I forgive him. Um, Who's Lee Pace in normal life? How do you know him? He's in Pushing Daisies. He's in Lord of the Rings. He's mine and Mallory Rubin's husband. Um, He's great. And I forgive him for everything he did in this movie and his extensions <laughs> and his wig. And also in this movie, Rami Malek, Oscar Amazing. winner, Rami Malek, which actually he also had kind of a bigger role. So you can kind of see the the roles where they were like, we need somebody good for this. And he was fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, he had nothing going on they, then. They also chose Noel Fisher, who I know from <laughs> Shameless. He's Mickey, who's a really good, really, really good actor in that as this weird <laughs> this Russian... One. Europe, Eastern European vampire with white eyebrows and size, not the perfect role, but um, loved seeing him in yeah. there. And also no shade to the people we just mentioned because they're all attractive in their own way, but they clearly gave up on like the all vampires are hot thing. When Correct. They, when they Correct. expanded, they clearly were like, okay, it's too hard to get like supernaturally beautiful people. So they just like right. kind of got random people and gave them red <laughs> eyes. And I was like, okay, that was a plot point, but all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a personal shout out to Michael Sheen, who I personally think is the series MVP. He, I hate this. <laughs> he plays the lead, like the lead bad guy. And I'm sure people have seen, there's like a scene that went viral from this that I totally forgot about until I saw it again, where he laughs at Renezme when he hears her heart. And it's the most insane choice. <laughs> He's like, oh! <laughs> I can't do it. You need to look it up. Um, but it like went viral for how insane it was. And yeah. I, completely forgot about it and then as soon as he did it I like had this flashback to having seen it before uh but he just leaned all the way in and I feel he like did. if everyone else had committed as hard to this movie <laughs> that he did it would have been better That's how honestly he and Taylor Lautner committed they tried this they really tried okay so this battle scene as we talk about it's basically the good guys versus bad guys yes I enjoyed it in the movie right and it's different it doesn't happen in the book correct so they correct. basically fake out audiences and it turns out being something that Alice is seeing and like showing Aro. She's like, this is what will happen if we don't just walk away. Like everybody's going to die. But they mm-hmm. don't like you think in the movie that like all these people are actually dying. I did yeah. kind of enjoy it. 
I did too. Also, yeah, big twist at the end. You guys watch it. I'm not going to spoil it. But yeah, you think some big character dies and then he doesn't. And then it like you do kind of get taken for a ride a little bit. You do. And here's my here's my thought on that. First, I was like, okay, the movie like shouldn't have done that because that was bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's like a dream sequence. It's always like dumb. However, Stephanie Meyer, kill off some characters. Everyone else has done it. Suzanne Collins did it. J.K. Rowling did it. Everybody, you know, J.R. Martin killed off everybody. Like, if you want to be a legitimate fantasy series, like, fucking kill Carlisle. We don't need him. Like, it's fine. Add some emotional resonance. Yeah, that's true. Which brings me to my final question about this whole Breaking Dawn Part 2 is, what genre, I guess we can talk movie and book, do you think this, like, story works best in? Because it starts as, like, kind of a coming-of-age romance tale, and then it turns into this, like, science fiction-y world of legends and myths and whatever. And then it turns into action at the very end. Which worked best for you, Kate? The CGI is too bad for me to say action. Um yeah. I would say the first movie with like the, you know, super awkward color toned yearning romance is probably the best of the lot. I agree. How would you rank the movies from best to worst? Sorry, I know I just put you on the spot. Yeah, it's hard to even recall now. (laughs) Every time we end an episode and I hit stop recording, I just just fucking dump it out of my brain. (laughs) I think the first one is so good. It's a classic. I think that's my favorite. Also, because I was just dying to see all these people come to life and like the whole world, all that cheesy stuff. Second's got to be the one from last week, part one. Really? Wow. I'm not sure. Maybe I take that back. Is it this movie? I don't know. I think everything else just falls in the middle where I'm like, eh. Yeah. Worst the one I think is the second third. one. Second and third are just so forgettable. Yes. Yeah. I can't actually now on the spot gun to hunt. I can't remember what happens in the second movie. Something <laughs> for sure. Not I can't much. Remember. remember there are those blank chapters. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell no. <laughs> okay. So final take on Breaking Dawn. I still think it's the best book. She actually like made shit happen in that one. It was yes. less moping. Yes. But I thought the movies were pretty bad. Yeah, agreed. So even though you may think, young audience members, that this would be the last we do, cringe one on Twilight, next week, we're <laughs> extending it a little bit more. There's no celebrity news, so we're talking about <laughs> it again. But we're going to talk about, like, the extended Twilight canon. Actually, Kate and I literally can't believe our luck with the timing of our conversations and, like, everyone else talking about it as well. Uh, it's a You could say it's a coincidence, but I think we're just trendsetters. Um, yeah, so there's actually a lot of Twilight happening right now in Twilight discussion, yes. along with Midnight Sun, which we are going to talk about a little bit next week. We're also going to talk about all the other, like, bullshit things that Stephanie Meyer has released. She did a gender-swapped version of Twilight, where she literally just switched all the names and switched the pronouns. And so we're going to really? talk about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're going to talk okay. about the Something Life of Brie Tanner, which is like a short story that she wrote about some <laughs> other rando vampire. I'll read it. You don't have to read it, Liz. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Uh, I also what else are we gonna yeah, do? I also want to talk about a modern day casting of Twilight mm-hmm. because I was starting to throw out a couple names. I'm really, I really feel strongly about one character in particular that's just Ooh. meant for this role. But we're gonna recast the whole thing as if it was gonna be made in 2020. We are. Um, and then as a joke, we're absolutely not doing this because me and you both skimmed both the bookend movies. <laughs> but ask the vampire, aka <laughs> ask the maester. We don't have the knowledge. No. Um, nearly, but you can ask us anything. And then also, um, Kate and I spent our days on TikTok and there is an enormous 
twilight TikTok resurgence. Yeah. I couldn't hear the final moment of this movie without thinking of that dance that like people <laughs> yeah. start twerking to, that beautiful piano ballad. So TikTok has perhaps ruined Twilight for me and Kate both, but we're just going to wrap up yeah. this whole category the and whole then we'll be done. extended Twilight universe. Yes. We're almost there, you guys. And then we'll have to almost come up there. with something else to fill our time. Yep. Yeah, we might start rewatching. I don't know what, what like Babysitter's Club or rereading that or something. Yeah, let us know if you okay. guys have suggestions. <laughs> okay, final category. Let's bring back Amelia for from the teabag slash unanswerable questions. Amelia, start us off. Okay, so I don't, I don't think anyone else here watches Survivor, right? Unfortunately, nope. not. No, okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Um, but last, I guess, okay, so we're recording on Thursday and the Survivor season 40 finale was last night. And oh my God, I just... I love Survivor. Um, <laughs> and I just want to know why Survivor isn't as popular on Twitter as like The Bachelor because it seems like last night it was popular, but throughout the season, I feel like every time The Bachelor's on, it just takes over Twitter throughout its entire run. But when Survivor's on, it's like sometimes it'll trend, sometimes it won't. And I just don't understand that. So my unanswerable question is, why isn't it as popular on Twitter as The Bachelor? I feel like it should be. I don't know. Is this honestly a great question? Because I saw you tweeting about it Thank last you. night, I think, as I was w- watching Listen to Your Heart, actually, The Bachelor spinoff. Nice. And I don't know. There must be some audience. There must be some corner of Twitter that's like survivor Twitter, right? Or is that literally that does not exist? I think there is, but they're just not as vocal as Bachelor Nation, I guess, which is wild to me because as much as I love Bachelor Nation and I enjoy those shows, Survivors just, it wins in every single cat. It's not a contest. Yeah. Wait, Kate, I have a question for you who doesn't watch either. Because when Amelia tweets her sassy things about The Bachelor, I get a kick out of it. I know every name. I know every expression in the the videos that she posts, whatever. Can you still find enjoyment out of of those things? Because the Survivor, once Amelia or anybody else starts tweeting about those names, I kind of just like, my eyes gloss over. So, yes, Amelia's. Twitter coverage of Bachelor is great and I find it hilarious without any context. However, here's my take. I think Survivor is less popular on social media because I think it's better and people like <laughs> to watch things that are bad and they like the like True. chaos and horrible, insane drama of The Bachelor. True. And like, I feel like Survivor, I, I feel like people have less to say about it because it's like actually like enthralling. Does that make any sense? People like shit that's bad. It's true. Also, it makes sense. And because Love Island Twitter is so Ooh. big, not in the States, but like when that comes on, right. I follow those hashtags religiously. And that is like I guess worse that's what I than, should say. Yeah, it's definitely. People like messy shows. I shouldn't say The Bachelor is bad because it's good, but like it's it's good in a different way, whereas Survivor is like very like strategic yeah. and like, you know, it's like player based. So I feel like there's less like right. messiness to really like, I don't know, get all mixed up in on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I feel like half the time, I mean, I, I enjoy The Bachelor, but it's kind of like an ironic enjoyment of it because mm-hmm. it's it's so a lot of it is retrograde and like embarrassing. And I'm just like, yes, more more of that trashy, dumb reality TV. I love it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. OK, uh, next question, Kate. OK, this week on The Cut, uh, Sangeeta Singh Kurtz published an article called Are You an Aragorn Girl or a Legolas Girl? 
And kind of along with Twilight, Lord of the Rings has kind of had a little resurgence. I think people are just really having a good time revisiting kind of these like safe, (laughs) comfortable like stories. So a lot of people have also been talking about Lord of the Rings lately. And this whole article was about how Legolas was a very formative figure in her youth, which I've talked about on this podcast. And she basically talks about how she interviewed all these coworkers. Some of them are Legolas girls. Some of them are Aragorn girls. And I don't have a problem with the piece. What I have a problem with is everyone tweeting and being like, well, I was a Legolas girl, but then I grew up. And I'm like, wait. So everyone was like, oh, now that I'm older and I'm mature, I like Aragorn Mm. more. And I'm like, do you like Mm. dirt now? Do you like men who look like they smell? How dare you? I side with all of those men and women who are saying that. Legolas is like your first crush. You like the random blonde kid in the second grade. And then Aragorn, you say Aragorn, and I know that's the correct way to say it. I have been mispronouncing it my whole life. Anyway, Aragorn, whatever, is like the, the like shaggy bad boy who you meet when you're like in your 20s at a bar. And he's like got all the scruff. And he's got the long hair. He's like dirty and probably will like not be that nice to you. It's like a total evolution. It's just nature. See, I feel like you don't want that evolution. <laughs> well, it happens. Maybe it's a personal problem. Anyway, everyone was disrespecting Legolas on Twitter and I have a that's problem just with rude. it. So I just had, oh. to, I had to talk about it. Amelia, it's I know Legolas you're on my side. all the way, baby. Thank it's you. Legolas know. all the way. <laughs> wow. I mean, it came out when I was in middle school, and I remember everyone. Orlando Bloom, it's like that video of um, Wendy Williams where she, she's like, she is the moment. He was the moment. <laughs> like, Orlando Bloom was 2004 or whatever year it was. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Viggo Mortensen has never been the moment. I'm sorry. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, please. I do love that discussion, though. I love those. It was great. Definitely read it. Um, Okay, so final question. This comes from Allison Snowflake at Block 9 She asks, and this is for the group because I know (laughs) y'all have thoughts on this. If you could only report on either Thrupples or newsworthy wildlife for the rest of your career, which would you pick and why? Great question. (laughs) My answer, thank God for you, Allison Snowflake, is newsworthy wildlife. I have never laughed harder than when Kate brought feral hogs into my (laughs) life. And the bald eagle, like I can think of so many, I don't want to ever talk about a thruple or Bella Thorne or toe sucking for that matter. I know it's not in the question. I would give all of that up to just be like a wildlife reporter. Right. Be like today in deer. And then like that's the whole podcast. Oh, without question, it's wildlife. No, like not close. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. The thing is also wildlife in no way is like part of the, like it's part of the tea time brand, but no one told us that that no. should happen. We kind of just adopted it. <laughs> this is supposed to be a pop culture podcast and every episode where we can, we're like, so this thing happened in Florida where all these animals came together. <laughs> and it's like, no one stopped us yeah. yet. It's, I our, hope it it's our most random bit. And I truly love it yeah. for that. I love it too. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Kaya, our producer. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Alwell. And I'm Amelia Wedmeyer.